So in Sifri Chassidus it says that the word Kislev is made up of the first part of the word is case, which is Malashan Kisui, something which is hidden. And then you have Lamed Vav. Lamed Vav is the gematria of Eila. Gematria? Eila. The word Eila, Aleph Lamed Hei, the gematria of Lamed Vav. Lamed Vav, uh-huh. yeah. And Eila is the idea of Gilui. Just like uh, when you say Zeh, it's something which is... Uh, so Eila is the, is the Russian Rabbim of Zeh. Uh-huh. So Kislev has the combination of Helam and Gilui, which means it's a month when the, the deepest hidden things come to revelation. So here we are. We're going to do some Kislev right now. <coughs> We are the we are on the sugya. We are on the topic of Achtos Hashem, the unity of Hashem. <clears throat> so to recap a little of what we spoke about in Perichaf, before we move on. We explained, which is kind of interesting. We're talking about Hashem's unity, how nothing changed from before the world was created to after the world was created. The same you who was there before the world was created is there after. Nothing, absolutely nothing changed. It's not shot that before the world Hashem was alone and after the world was created Hashem has company. But uh, Hashem remains absolutely one and the only one Till now, how was that? So the first thing we established was that this, this, this world, these worlds are no problem. If the creation of the worlds themselves don't don't pose a contradiction to Hashem's unity, <coughs> because as the example we gave of the flying rock, flying rock or, or projector, the both we, both examples we gave, that you can look at a wall and if you project an image on a wall, it looks it might look very real, especially if you don't see the projector and especially if it's a good projector. But then you have a real picture sitting next to it. What's the difference? They both look the same, exact same. Both beautiful, uh, beautiful scenery. One is real, one isn't. One is just being projected. <clears throat> so this world is just being projected into existence by Hashem. So it doesn't really constitute a contradiction to Hashem's unity. The problem is the projector, which in this case is the Dibur of Hashem, Asar, right? Asar so beforehand Hashem wasn't projecting any Dibur. Now Hashem is projecting Dibur constantly. So how, how isn't that a contradiction to Hashem's unity. So that's what we spoke last week, that um, since, just like, by, by, just like by human being, our capacity to speak is infinite, a person can speak an infinite amount of words, so therefore one word which we speak is completely insignificant, insignificant and uh, nothing in comparison relative to the Koya Hadibur which we have, the faculty of speech, and certainly how much more so relative to Machshava, or even the higher faculties of Seichel and Midas, which don't even have oasis, don't even have words in them. So therefore, relative to Hashem, the, 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 the utterance or the utterances with which the world is created are utterly insignificant. So the world is nothing, and the utterances are <coughs> insignificant. Are insignificant, insignificant, so they don't pose a contradiction, nothing changed before and after, they're utterly insignificant. So that would seem to be enough, but not yet. We're not finished yet. We have one more. We have one more argument to make before we move to our our primary point. 
When we say that the Dibur of Hashem is insignificant, is it inherently and intrinsically insignificant? No. It is only insignificant relative to Hashem. So if I speak a word, so we're saying, so we, the argument that we made last week was that this, this utterance that I'm saying is insignificant. Why? Relative to the Koya Chadibur, which is infinite, it is insignificant. But how about not relative to the Koya Chadibur? How about relative to itself? It would seem to be that the words that I speak have some significance. The Dvar Hashem, the Asarim Amaris, it has power. So relative to Hashem, they're insignificant. So Taka, they don't, from Hashem's perspective, it's Taka nothing. But in actuality, if I'm going to view it in a vacuum, and I'm going to view it by itself, it would seem that there is an entity other than Hashem, which is the Dvar Hashem. I know that's difficult to say that's different than Hashem, but it's different than the way it was before the worlds were created when there was no Dvar Hashem. So it would seem that there's a Shinoi. And that's what we're going to address now. That uh, in case anyone lost sleep over this over the past week, Casey <laughs> left Sheer last week thinking, yes, we had made a beautiful argument that uh, relative to Hashem, it's all insignificant. But how about relative to itself? So Al-Tareb is not going to leave you hanging on that either. Face value for itself. Correct. It would seem. Would seem. And that's the Shinoi. Right. That there's something that has face value, which beforehand wasn't. There wasn't no such thing before the worlds were created. The Abish, there's Midas, the ways of Hashem, the measure of Hashem, the way Hashem does things is not similar to the way it is by human beings. And, Hashem, and the Alter Rebbe is going to proceed to say that the Dibur of Hashem is not comparable to our Dibur. Now, is that a big Chiddush? Of course not. It's not, it's not a big Chiddush. So let's talk about that a little. We know that the Torah and the Divrei Chazal are packed with anthropomorphisms. Anthropomorphisms is uh, the ascribing physical, right? Is ascribing physical, uh, using physical terms to describe non-physical um, entities. So like you said, Yad Hashem, Eine Hashem, all these things. Right, all these, so what are the, obviously we know that it's uh, very clear, right? We know that, uh, but what does that mean? What does it mean, Bolshem Bnei Adam? Something we understand. We understand, so why are you calling it, uh, why are you calling it the, the, the Eye of Hashem? Call it Hashem's avocado, call it Hashem's... Uh, what do you mean, Dibur Torah Klashmanei Adam? You need a you word to use, but, but how, how are you using that relate, word? You wouldn't be able to relate to it unless what the Torah. So we use a word. So what we do is the, the, the point of anthropomorphism is we have to strip the, the 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 whatever this entity that we're describing from any of the physical uh, um, you know connotations that it might have. Look at the spiritual core of it. And then apply that to Hashem. So, for example, if we're talking about Ein uh, Hashem, the eyes of Hashem, eyes of Hashem. So, what does an eye mean? So, physically, the eyes is uh, you know something the retina, and a pupil, a pupil, and a cornea. Obviously, there's no such thing by Hashem. 
So what does an eye represent? Let's talk about it in spiritual terms. If uh, my wife goes out shopping and she tells me, uh, keep an eye on the pie in the oven, does that mean that I have to... Uh, Take the eye for the <laughs> But not, I don't even mean to that. Does that mean I have to sit and stare at it the whole time? Also not. What, so what does it mean? Keep an eye Check on. it out. Okay. Be, aware. Be aware. Be aware of what's going on, right? Yeah. Don't fall asleep. <laughs> keep, your, keep, your, keep your proverbial eye on it at all times. So an eye represents the idea of awareness. Awareness, that's something Hashem definitely has. He's aware of everything that's going on. So when we talk about Eine Hashem, we're not, we don't mean a physical eye. We don't even mean any sort of sight. Because Hashem doesn't see like we see. However, Hashem is aware of things in a completely different way than we're aware of, by the way. The Rambam makes it very clear that Hashem's idea, Hashem's awareness of all that goes on is very different than our awareness in a way that we can't even grasp Hashem's awareness. So therefore we call it, so like you said, for us to be able to relate to this, we use a term which we use, which is... Um, that we understand. Right, right, that we, right. <laughs> Something from our frame of reference that we, that in our experience. Which is an attribute of Kodesh Right. Attribute. And the same thing is in all everything. The Yad Hashem, which a hand implies actions, etc., etc. So when he says over here, Midas HaKadosh Baruch Hu Shalek Midas Basar Vadam, he's not saying the obvious. He's not say, stating that Hashem doesn't have physical eyes. He finishes, he's going to say that Hashem's Dibur is different than our Dibur. It means not only in terms of the fact that Hashem is spiritual and we're physical, but also conceptually Hashem's Dibur is different than ours. If we're to look at the, at the underlying concept of what our Dibur is, as opposed to Hashem's Dibur, we'll see there's a difference there also. He's not stating the obvious. He's not saying that Hashem isn't physical. He's saying even if we're to dig a little deeper, we're going to find a difference there also. And what is that? So let's talk about Dibur. What is, if I had to ask you, there's obviously, they're speaking, it implies uh, vocal cords, and it implies sound. Um, it implies a mouth, a voice. All, all that doesn't apply to Hashem, obviously. So what is the underlying concept of speech? Communication. Relate to communication with people. Okay. So speech is communication. That's true. But we're going to break that up also into two parts. Communication. Part number one of communication, what's unique about speaking, this is probably not so much the, the element you're thinking about, which we're going to get to later, but the first element is that when you speak, and that which was previously inside you separates from you and is now out there. It's like when you write an email and you press send, you can't take it back. As soon as you speak, the words that you say have left, you don't own them anymore. They don't belong to you anymore. My words are in your mind, your mind, you can go and then repeat them to others. So as opposed to machshava, which machshava remains inside me, remains miyuchad with me, remains one with me, dibur separates from me. But dibur, you need someone in the other side to listen what you're saying. Machshava, you don't need that. 
Dibor means there's someone listening. If you yes, didn't, there's if there's no, no one, if there's no one listening, so that's like uh, the famous question: if the tree falls in the forest, did it make any sound? True. If I'm in a room speaking to myself, so technically there's dibur, but that's not that the, the, that's not the function. In other words, dibur, in a, at least in a conceptual sense, means me as you said, communicating is me communicating with someone else. So as my uh, my wife is a kindergarten teacher and or first grade, whatever, so every uh, every year when it comes along, like, Tazriya uh, Mitzayra, when they have to learn about Lashon Hara, so she always reenacts with them, there's a famous, I don't know, actual story, or a mashal, about a person who said Lashon Hara his entire life, for many years, and then he went to a Rav, and asked the Rav, I want to do tshuva, and please give me a tikkun, what can I do to rectify that which I have done? So the Rav says, here's what you should do, go take a, 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 a pillow, which is made of feathers, a feather pillow, Get the feathers. Yeah. and walk around town and scatter it all around town, and then come back to me. So he went and he did that. Comes back to the rabbi and says, "Okay, now what?" I said, "Okay, now go collect all the feathers." <laughs> can't do that. That's what Dibu does. You can't collect it. It's finished. So my wife actually she does that with the class. She gets a pillow and uh, to demonstrate that. Yeah. Good idea. Or she take another thing she does, you know, with kids, she takes a, a tube of toothpaste and she asks them to squeeze it out, which is a lot of fun. She's like, okay, now let's get it back in. Let's <laughs> get the toothpaste back into the into the tube. Oh, yeah, so the, the similar the same idea is when it comes to um when it comes to Dibor, once it leaves you, you can't put it back in the tube. It's left you. It comes a nifra, it comes separate from you. Physically, by the way, the um, the breath which uh which the words use come out of you and don't go back inside you but also spiritually you lose, it's out there it's, it's out there as opposed to mashava you can think whatever you want but it's, it's with you but also if you want to go a little deeper when you're speaking to someone else in a certain extent you're leaving yourself you don't speak your mind hopefully usually you don't just, uh, whatever comes to mind, whatever is running through your thoughts, okay, just, uh, I mean, maybe there's one or two people in your life who you can do that to, but most people, you have to filter that which, uh, when you speak, because there's someone else. Speaking is about the other person. It's communicating, as you mentioned earlier. So when I speak, when I say that the words leave me, it's not only that the physical words leave me or that I lost ownership of the words, but in a deeper sense also, for the first time, something is departing from me and becoming about someone else. What is, what is departing? In other words, is, just one second. In the previous levels of the neshama, so you have seichel, then you have midas, and you have machshava. All of those I'm, are very intimate with me. I don't have to... I don't have to tailor it for, for someone else. I don't have to cater it. I don't have to change it. What? You don't have to convey it. Right. It's me. The first time when part of me has to sort of, so to say, divorce itself from me and suddenly become customized itself for something outside of me is Dibur. So even when Dibur is within me, so to say, even before it leaves me, the very faculty of Dibur is already a departure from who I am. It separates from me to a certain extent. 
So we're trying to bring out again, by Dibur, when a person speaks, what we have over here is for the first time, something separates from the person. Again, on, on many different levels, as mentioned, physically. Also, again, the words are out there, you lose control of it. But also on a deeper level, a more philosophical level, it's the first time something is becoming, there, there's something else other than me which I need to communicate to and which I need to now, again, filter myself and customize. Machshav is yourself. The Dibu was generated from the Machshav. Correct. So how could you say it's totally not from you? So in Chassidus actually explain that in the Machshava there's what's called Dibu Sheba Machshava. Yeah, where does Machshava, where does Dibu, you mean think about this practically. There's you thinking to yourself, and then before you speak, there is that thoughts which are formulating your words, and that's already the deeper which is in your machshava. That's part of you, stuff. Sorry, it's still part of me, yes, but conceptually, something already left me. Conceptually, it already departed from me to a certain extent. It's been transferred away from you. Not, not actually, but conceptually it has. In other words, in, uh, so at every point, whether the actual Dibur or even the Dibur inside me, it's already a departure from who I am, and it's already you know, being customized for someone else. But the Dibur, some people have to wait before they say something. Some people can say, and the speeding can say anything they want. But still, it's for the Machshava. He's talking about a chatterbox. What are you talking about? What do you think about the chat? The person who, who <laughs> talks quicker is because they think quicker. It's not it's not a function of Dibra, it's a function of Mashallah. Sure. And what about a chatterbox? But talking in general, talking without thinking is not a good idea. I just saw recently a sikha from the Rebbe, where the Rebbe says it says that the the the, the fifth Lubavitch Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashab, so he would um, he would sometimes have to he'd travel. Traveled together with his son, who eventually became the previous Rebbe, the sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe. And when he went places, he didn't want people to know who he was, which today isn't very usually very possible. As mentioned, uh, you know, before pictures and social media. But then, the, the only picture there is of the Rebbe Rashab is what I think emerged after he passed away from his passport picture. It's actually taken the year that he passed away, so no one knew what he, what he looked like. He traveled to Germany, to France, these places. For various reasons, whether for health reasons or for communal purposes. So he says that sometimes uh, this is the Rebbe is telling him what the what his father-in-law, the previous Rebbe, told him. So he said that uh, that was the father's wish, his father's wish, that no one should know who he was. So sometimes he'd come in a shul, and sometimes the Gabbai would come over to the Friedrich Rebbe, the previous Rebbe, and, and offer him a, a, a kibud, like an aliyah or a mafter. And he said, and the previous Rebbe told the Rebbe, "You have no idea how much it pained me." <laughs> my father is sitting next to me, the Rebbe, and they're coming and asking me to uh, to do them after. <laughs> and he said, my father would give me a look, like he knows what I'm going through, but it's fine, that's what you're supposed to be doing right now. But he says that that it happened, it happened once that they went to the, to the, to the Rebbe Rashab and they asked him to do mafter. The Rebbe, and they called, well, it was like right by mafter, they said, we'll call you up. He says, and he said, give me a few minutes, I need to prepare. And he took a chumash and he went off to a side room for like five minutes and he actually went, went over the mafter. And the Fidik Rebbe said, think about this. The Rebbe Rashab did mafter all the time. <laughs> Most of us, you know, we don't have to prepare to do, to do mafter. But uh, the idea of always being prepared, never, no such thing as just going up without preparation, look it over, and the hayra for us, the lesson. It's not Tawach And the Rebbe said, 
think about it, that even though it was Tircha de Tzibura, he said that, and still he felt that he couldn't do it without preparation because the respect for the Tzibura is more important than the... So he's saying, speaking without thinking, you always have to think before you speak. But the bottom line, we're saying that's a little on the side, but the story is always, is always good, right? Um, the bottom line is Dibur separates. Ah, so that's what the Alter Rebbe is saying. <coughs> that our Dibur is not like Hashem's Dibur. Not only because ours is physical and Hashem's isn't, but it's conceptually different because as we're going to see now, by Hashem, the Dibur never separates from Him. Inside. Sha'adam, second line in the Perik, page 52. Sha'adam, the human being, Kishmedaber Dibur. When he speaks, the actual breath of the words emanating from his mouth, humurgish is something which is uh, can be felt. It's apparent as something, you know, an, an independent entity, moved al separate from its source. What is the source of the dibor shehin eser atzma, the ten faculties of the soul, which are, you know, the intellect and emotions. His words never separate from him. Why? Because by definition, nothing can separate from Hashem, because there's nothing outside of him. There is no area which is vacant of him. And therefore, so Hashem's dibur is not like our dibur. Just like Hashem's machshava is not like our machshava. As the Navi says, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. And it says in the apostle, like the heaven is higher than the earth. So to Hashem says, my ways are so that that much higher than your ways. So Hashem's Dibur doesn't separate from him. But what's the proof? It, it sounds like uh, it, axiomatic that because there's nothing separate from Hashem, so too his Dibur is not separate Correct. from Hashem. But that's that's not a proof. That's a a, a, a presumption. Uh, it, 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 so, you're, so you're still left hanging. So the Balatanya wants to show that, Dibur, that Hashem's Dibur is different than our Dibur. And he concludes that because Nothing is separate from Hashem, so too is Dibur is not. But then you're left hanging, and it, and it goes... You're left hanging, you're on the, you're on the cusp of asking a good question, and I'm waiting for it. What's the, what's the proof that, that nothing is separate from Hashem? That's the, that's the, the assumption that the Baal Tani lays No. This is not the, the idea that nothing is separate from him. Is, is in the Sifri Kabbalah, and uh, so then, it's even psukim that that that, that so talk about this point. Of course, wouldn't be separate from Hashem. Exactly. If nothing, if nothing else is, separate there you from go. Neither would neither exactly. would Exactly. So then, what is the chiddush of the Balatanya? Is that the question? What is dibur? Why do you use the word dibur? That's why. There we go. Why are you trying to describe him? Dibur, you say. So why are we calling it dibur? It's it's power. Koyach. It's his his divine energy. That's his dibur. Then why is it called dibur? What? What is Dibur Hashem? Exactly. In other words, okay, it's that's very good. That's that's the question that we're going to ask over here. So, if Hashem's Dibur is so different than ours, 
then why is it called Dibur? Something different. What it's something different. Call it whatever. I don't know. In other words, for a lack of a word to describe it, we throw on it a word. It would seem that there's absolutely no relationship between our Dibur and Hashem's Dibur. So then why would we call it? And by the way, I just want to make it clear. The Shalah says, the Shalah says that we think, many think, and we talk about Yad Hashem, or Eni Hashem, all these different words that describe Hashem. So we think like this, that uh, what's the real Yad? This is the real Yad. This is the real hand. Now there's something above, which uh, I, I need to find the word to describe it. I don't have exactly. So therefore, I'll call that also a Yad. Shlomo says, no, you got it all wrong. This is not the real Yad. The real Yad is Hashem's Yad. However, because your hand ultimately uh, descends from that hand, and it's a very weak imitation of that hand, so therefore we call your hand also Yad. Not to, in other words, we think that uh, all the way around, Hashem, everything is real by Hashem. However, since we know that the human being is created with Salam Alekim, we're creating Hashem's image, which means that ultimately <coughs> we are, whatever we have is, is, is a condensed form of the way it is from above. Not only a reflection, but actual um, a derivative. Our hand is a derivative of Hashem's hand. So therefore, so the question is, if and, and er, it's like our Dibor is derivative of Hashem's Dibor. But, 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 but how can it be a derivative if there's no parallel? What makes it a derivative? Derivative means that you have to find some sort of conceptual core at which, po- at which they're the same. So you say it changed form in this way and that way and the other way, but ultimately... It's it, not the same thing. Uh, no, if it's not the same thing, can't have the same name. In other words, let, let's that's put it in different words. Ta- let's ta- ta- we talk about Hashem's awareness, right? So our so you know any Hashem Hashem has eyes, okay? Well, how about when Hashem uh, when his eyes you know you have in the, this week's parsha Yitzchak he grew older became uh, became blind, right? So does Hashem need LASIK surgery after five thousand seven hundred seventy seven years? Maybe. No. Does Hashem have X ray vision? No. And does Hashem all, all these? Don't be silly, right? We're only talking about the conceptual core. Hashem's aware and we're, and we're aware. And by the way, obviously, you can't even begin to compare Hashem's awareness to our awareness. Hashem's awareness encompasses 5,777 years of the entire world and all the, all the worlds that there are and encompasses it Biskira Achas in one glance. We can barely notice... Uh, Next door. <laughs> right. <laughs> to, you know, today, uh, alternate side of the, you know, the street parking, so I forgot my car for 45 minutes, double park. I didn't get a ticket, Baruch Hashem. But, you know, we can barely keep our mind on three things at the same time. <clears throat> right. I always set my alarm. Today, I forgot. <clears throat> I must have some schus. Maybe I didn't get a ticket. I said, wow. Okay. But um, we can barely be aware of four things at the same time. Hashem is keeping... So you can't... However, at the very core... The same idea exists. Hashem is aware, and derived from that, we are also aware, although our awareness is infinitesimal and utterly insignificant in comparison to Hashem's awareness, but at least there is a core correlation. If we're saying that Hashem's Dibur, if we're going to say the definition of our Dibur is what is that it separates, and if Hashem's Dibur doesn't separate, so what? There's not a different word here. Why is Hashem's Dibur called Dibur only because it's only in a way of a muscle? Just like down here, the Dibur of a person. 
reveals to the listeners that which was hidden in his thought, which is the other part of communication. The same thing. Let's do this. Let's do this outside first. Before we said, remember you said communication. I said there are two elements to communication. So we focused on one of them, which is the idea that when I communicate, I'm moving a little out of myself. And in fact, the words move out of myself. But there's another element. Communicate. Dibor implies gili. Revelation. Revelation. As long as something is in my seichel, as long as it's in my midas, as long as it's in my machshava, it's not revealed. It's hidden. Dibor is the first time when that which is inside me becomes revealed. Now by us, revelation and separation are uh, in, uh, in, in, inextricably uh, combined, are together. But by Hashem, though, Hashem, Hashem's dibur implies gilui, revelation. But it does not imply in any way separation. So as it turns out, dibur contains two components, which is gilui and pirud, gil, right? Separation and, and, and revelation. By the human being, it has both of them. And by Hashem, it only talks about... Uh, Hashem. The reason why Hashem's Dibur is called Dibur is because... Because of revelation. Because of revelation. By the way, are you satisfied with this answer, everyone here? Yeah, but if, doesn't revelation implies period separation? In, uh, in the human realm, yes. Not by Hashem. So that's why it's, it's derivative, um, that, that it's not exactly the same between man and Hashem. So You're right, but I would like to uh, just... Uh, to. A spoiler or a sneak peek in the next Perik, Perik of Beis. So we'll get to either next week or the week after, but sometime soon. The Alter Rebbe is also going to explain how there is a certain element of Pirud in Hashem's Dibur. So actually, at the end of the day, there will be some sort of correlation in both areas, but that's for later. For right now, for the purposes of our discussion, the reason why Hashem's Dibur is called Dibur, or by the way, really, you can say the other way around, the reason why our Dibur is called Dibur, because based on what the Shalah we said earlier, is because they both contain this core concept of revelation. So when we talk about Hashem speaking, Asar Mamaris, for example, right? Or in fact, when you talk about um, where else do we have speech by Hashem throughout the Torah when there is Nevoah? Mm-hmm. So what does it mean when it says that, you know, Hashem spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu? Did Moshe actually hear a, a, a voice? Yeah. No. Sure did. No. No. Had a thought? It was revealed. I thought it was say Pal Pad. It sounds like that there was a conversation. It was a report. That's all anthropomorphic. We should not assume that when it, when it says Pal Pad by Moshe Rabbeinu, it was like we're talking a conversation. Not Hasmashon to assume that. We didn't Moshe Rabbeinu get the faculties to 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 uh, to uh, converse with a couple of people. So we we understand when about some other means of communications that we don't understand. When it talks about um, it talks about speaking, it means revelation. Hashem a nevuah means that something divine was revealed to the navi. How was it revealed? One day, Mir Hashem, I'll be a navi. I'll let you all know the mechanism of how it works. I don't know. Um, what did Moshe say? What's the lesson of the Pasuk? Halavai, that everyone should be Nevi'im. Kolam Hashem, everyone should be Nevi'im. It'll happen one day. We'll all be Nevi'im. We'll all experience what that means. But Nevu'ah ultimately is revelation. The Ebishter doesn't have a mouth, and it's not about physical sound. It's about Nevu'ah is revelation. And what form, how it happens? 
When you talk about, when you talk about, uh, um, you know, that uh, Avram Avinu before the Bismillah, so he couldn't stand. But why couldn't he stand when he talked to Hashem? The voice was too loud. Where th these were in intense divine revelations, and therefore the Ram describes it how their their limbs would, uh, you know, what, what does Ram tell that he says that Naviim they they would tremble. they would tremble and they would. Moshe Rabbeinu means that when he spoke to Hashem, he was able to absorb the revelation as if in conversation. That's what Pel Pe means. Wasn't that Hashem was making a sound like when you talk, you make a sound? I don't believe that was the... I know the Rashi meaning of Ayikra, I know that. But everything everything that you read of these things, you have to understand them. In, uh, and when he says, Kesha Shal Tfilin, what does it mean? They saw Ritzu Shal Air. These are all, all different types of revelations. I'm not understanding what it means. These are all anthropomorphic. These are all Dibra Teira Kalash Adam, as Rabbi Sasson would like to say always. Yeah? So by the Asara Mamaros, who is Hashem talking to? Who was Hashem revealing to? Why you call that communication? Deeper means you communicate. You talk to yourself. Oh, revelation. Here is just a transfer of energy to to to, to build the world. Divine energy. Inside. Kachla Milo, The same thing is above. Right. Well, what's it mean? It's going to answer. By the infinite light of Hashem, the emanation of the light and the energy. From him, from a state of concealment to a state of revelation. is to create worlds and to give him a life. That is Dibor. What is Dibor? The fact that beforehand all the all the energies that was that were there in potential form, excuse me, in potential form to create worlds was all hidden, and suddenly it becomes revealed. That is Dibor, which is kind of interesting. That. For mo so for most for, for 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 most of us when we're talking about dibur, it means revelation to another, and also many times by Hashem, it implies revelation to another to a navi, for example, or by Har Sinai. And then there's the ultimate form of revelation, which is that because there is no other, so the other becomes revealed, and then it becomes revealed to the other. Asar Mamaris was actually the revelation of himself to the others, which are created through that. In other words. There's a Dibur. Until Dibur, there is no creations. The first time when we have creation is in Dibur, which in the spheres is Malchus. The spheres are Malchus. So the speaking brings into it brings into existence and into revelation all the creations and, and the air and the energy needed to vivify them. So Dibur is a form of Gili, the original creation of the world, the appearance of the world. Everything existed in Hashem in potential form. And the appearance of the world and all the energies needed to vivify it, that is called Dibur, that is the ultimate revelation from Hashem. Like projector. Talk about a different way of it's thinking. Like projector analogy. So, Hashem Yi'er means that, ha, that a revelation came about from Hashem. And what was the revelation? Was the Oyer. So there was the energy for the oil. No it's not real, though. And it's not real. So it wasn't. Nothing, it wasn't nothing's real. real because, like a projector, you would say. And that's the revelation. Is but, the what, projection but it's also. Projecting, uh, what's real is the highest that emanates from Hashem, the energy that emanates from Hashem to give it life. So by Hashem, it wasn't Dibor, it was Misa. He enacted the world to come into being. It wasn't that he said there'll be a world. His enact, his making the world happen was the. His divine speech. Correct. 
whatever that's supposed to mean. Yes. Even yeah. before the creation, just Gilear is already evil, correct? Right. Even before Malchus. Well, Dibur is associated with Malchus in general. Um, and there, and and every level there's Malchus. So the fact that the first there's the first Gili Arian Saf, that's that's the Malchus of you know, Shaba Arian Saf. So every time there's a Gili that's associated with Malchus, which is Dibur. A Gili of the highest Aliki, which is needed in order to create the earth. He said he, he, he is energy. He gives energy. We have to we have to That's disabuse ourselves of, of the. In one second, we 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 have to disabuse ourselves of this of the the notions that we have. Of um, you know, we learn we learn things when we're younger, and we learn them in a very physical way. We have a certain very physical. Um, understanding. Understanding or imagination of Hashem and the way things work. And then as we grow older, we, uh, you know, it's, it's different, it's different. Uh, well, I think we spoke about this, how the, uh, we spoke about this, or malachim, sing, sing a malach, you know, there are there's no such thing as sing a malach. How can you see something which is physical? It's also a revelation. How can the eye, the eye, the eye is created to process 3D physical objects. It can't process. Can you can you can can you see uh, radio waves? No. So how, why do you think you can see a malach? You can't see spiritual things. You, the eye it doesn't pick them up. Saying so everything we're learning in Nach, we have to translate and realize it's all spiritual ideas and spiritual concepts, and we have to have a better understanding of what they are. Anyway, what was your question? What you know, when you when you're reading Yeshai the Navim, Yeshai Cheskel, is that is that when when the Navi wrote that? Yeah. Is that it was an interpretation of the div- of uh, of the Gilui, uh, what you call the revelation of God? Absolutely. Oh, those were exact words of God. Oh, uh, you mentioned Yeshaya and Yechazkel. Yeshaya. So, is those are the words of God, or that's the interpretation of the revelation of God? He's interpreting the revelation, whatever that's called. He's convert. It's going easy. Uh, what you call converting the one language into right. another language. You mentioned Yeshaya and Yechazkel, so I immediately thought that you mentioned those two specifically because. As an example. Because they were the, they were the, they're the ones who described the Merkava, so yeah. I thought that's what you're referring to. <laughs> so you, <laughs> that, think about but it. we have to understand when they're describing six wings, and uh, and and the, you know we're not we're, we're not talking about anything physical, obviously, right? So you're saying are they saying, and uh, Ooh, so well, how did they how did they wrote this? Was that that was his interpretation of the Nevoah, of the revelation of God? So or, or those are the actual words that God told you. Absolutely, the Ramam talks about this. No, yes, sometimes and sometimes the Ramam talks about this. You look in Hilchos, you say that there. The Ramam says sometimes you're getting the vision. For example, you have a vision of a sir nafuach by by Zechariah, right? Yeah. Or you have, uh, sometimes you have that it's describing the actual vision, and other times they're describing the interpretation, but these were always visions that were in riddles. Like, yeah, it says, by Moshe, it says, that he sees everything clear as opposed, and not in riddles. All of the Nevi'im, they would see riddles and visions, and also, but they would also receive the inspiration to be able to interpret it. Well, it's not just a random interpretation 
of what they uh, he was more direct what, what they experienced yeah that's why Moshe is the Av Lechol Navim. it's a different category it's right 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 okay Veheni and Asara Mamaris we're on nine lines from the bottom this is of the ten Mamaris the world was created with them Vehein Sharkal HaToyra Nevi'im Muksuvim and also the Torah Nevi'im Kesuvim Shi Sigu HaNevi'im B'Mar Nevuasam, which the Nevi'im grasped in their Nevuah. So nothing separates from Hashem. And by the way, when we say nothing separates from Hashem, once again we mean it on every level, both practically. Nothing separates from him. Like uh, he doesn't lose control, doesn't go outside of him. Because no such thing. <clears throat> but also conceptually. We said that by, by when we speak, so what we speak separates from us and becomes somewhat, it's tailored, customized for the other. By Hashem, there's no such thing as anything that leaves from Him. Nothing even conceptually leaves from Him. Everything always remains by Him and as it is by Him. Sorry, they're absolutely united within Derek Mashal. For example, like the speech, like the words and the thoughts of a person, as they are still in his seichel, in his wisdom, or as a feeling in the heart, before. They went up from the heart to the mind to think about it with words. I'm going to I'm going to explain this a little more. Let me just finish off, and we'll explain a little more. At that point, <clears throat> these words of this machshav and this dibur which come from this desire, believe they were just in a potential form in the heart. And were completely united there. In the source, which is the intellect and the brain, and the desire in the heart. Okay, so this is, touches upon something we learned about last week. So, um, say I tell you um, I love chocolate chip cookies. Where did that come from? Comes from. My heart. I have. A, I saw a chocolate chip cookie, and I have a desire for it. So those words, the words "I love chocolate chip cookies," they they're in my mouth. But where did they come from? From my thoughts, right? Because we established that earlier. We only we only speak what we think. So I was thinking about the desire, which led me to speak about my desire. But where did that thought come from? That thought came from from my heart. Now, that which means. That those words, I love, I love chocolate chip cookies, are in my heart. Because if that's where they come from, the source of something has to contain everything that comes from it, at least in potential form. So when I look at that chocolate chip cookie, and my heart says, I want it, and in my heart there are no words yet, by the way, as we spoke about at length last week, it's just that, that uh, sudden uh, craving that that uh, that comes into my heart at that moment that really in there hidden in there is the words i love chocolate chip cookies 
Because if it wasn't hidden in there, where did those words come from? Everything has to come from somewhere. That's where it comes from. So when I say I love chocolate chip cookies, those words separate from me. And they're out there, as mentioned. However, when before I think those words, before, sorry, before I say those words, those words, I love chocolate chip cookies, are in my mind. Over there, they're united with me. But even though they're united with me, they're still... They're, they're words as opposed to the essence of me. But then there are those words as they exist in their potential form. In a latent form, in my heart. They're not even words yet. It's only the potential for words. And obviously, at that point in my heart, there's nothing separate from me. It is you. It is me. By Hashem. Hashem speaks the world into existence. However, the words that go out of His mouth, Kaviyachol, are as united with him as the words I love chocolate chip cookies when they're still in my heart. Or as they still are in my mind. We discussed this last week, how in the mind also there is the, that intellect which is above words. Yeah. And since we're supposed to emulate Hashem, how can this Mida that everything that Hashem does is him, how can we can't copy it. We can't copy it. We can't duplicate it. But it's is there possible. any way we can identify with it? That's a great we question. That's his mitos, but his I'm assuming the answer to that question is yes. I just don't know. I don't know. You don't know what? The answer, in other words, I'm assuming that if we're supposed to emulate Hashem, there's some sort of, the fact that we're made aware of this, there is some sort of lesson to us to emulate. I just don't know what that would be. Perhaps that whatever we identify with should be should be should be our essence and not just trivial things and not just things that are disposable, because but that's on a muster level. To stay, yeah, well, muster level is also something. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <clears throat> so we have over here is that Hashem's dibur. Again, it's called dibur because it's revelation. Something becomes revealed which wasn't before, but in terms of Separation, there is no separation. So what's the significance of this? On the Kachamamish two lines from the top. The Kachamamish Darach Mashal, the same thing. Muchadish Diburi Machshaft Yeshla Kadash Baruchu Betachlas Ayichud. Hashem's Dibur and his Machshava are united with absolute unity. Bemuhusay Vasmusay Yisbarach with his essence. Gam Acher Shayatza Diburi Yisbarach Alapoyel. Also after the words. Left their, you know, the potential form. Bibrias, with the creation of the worlds. They're just as united with him as was before the world was created. And there is no change by Hashem whatsoever. Ella Labruim is the beginning of the next part of the period, which we're going to talk about next week. Is where we'll start next week. So what do we have over here? We started this. This we started this week with the lesson with a question, which is that the dibur vis-a-vis the koyecha dibur, the vis-a-vis the, the dibur vis-a-vis in relation to Hashem is taka insignificant. However, the dibur on its own is something of significance. Remember that's how we started this year today. But now that we understand that the Dibur never really leaves Hashem, so there is no, there's no such thing as the Dibur not in relation to Hashem. There's no such thing as the Dibur not vis-a-vis, because 
the only way you can say, if the Dibur would separate from Hashem, then you could say, relative to Hashem, it's still nothing. But relative to itself, it's something. But if it never leaves Hashem, if it always remains part of Hashem, there is no such thing as being relative to itself. Because it isn't something for itself. All it is, is it's like the words, I love chocolate chips that are still in the heart, completely one and united with Hashem. So therefore, it's always judged relative to where it is in Hashem. So we'll conclude with a little vart on the parsha related to uh, somewhat loosely, but still related. And then we'll hear the story from Reb Sasson. <clears throat> so in this week's parsha, so we have Vayik Yizok in Yitzchak Vatechena Einav Mirois. As Yitzchak becomes old and his eyes become dim. Why did he? Why did he become blind? So Rashi gives three explanations. Explanation number one is Ma'ashnan Shalelu because of um, the smoke from the Avodah of the Esav's wives, which is, by the way, the pasuk. That the reason why it's the first period in Rashi is because if you look at the. It says the Yitzchak was 40 years and he married these two ladies. And they were major Agmas Nefesh to Yitzchak and the Rivka because they, because they worshipped Avedah Dazara. And the next Pasuk is So the fact that the Pasuk is next to one another, so therefore that's one, uh, one Pirush of Rashi. <clears throat> There's a diff- you know, whenever Rashi brings different Pirushim, there are difficulties in each one of them. The difficulty with this pirush is, now why didn't Rivka become blind? So Rivka, it's environmental. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and also to say that Mamish, they were in the house of Yitzhak and Rivka and being, you know, Stama Esav had his own house, right? And they, they, what they would come to Afka to Yitzhak and Rivka's house. So it's the first pirush, but we need to move on. So the second pirush, Rashi says, is that it was because of the tears of the Malachim. Which, by the way, after today's class, I hope you don't think is anything literal, Chas v'Shalom, right? <laughs> I actually, no tears, no I actually saw Chas v'Shalom. Yeah, it's Malachim, yeah. Physical. I actually saw a, I saw a word this past week. What does that mean? The tears to Malachim. Why were the Malachim crying when Yitzhak was about to was about to be uh, shechted? Because they come crying to the Eibushter, what's going on over here? There's supposed to be a whole nation that's coming out from Avram Avinu, which is going to be the the Aman Nifcha, the chosen nation, and everything. So the, that that their tears obviously is metaphoric. It doesn't mean the same tears that applied then are applying now. In other words, what's going to happen now is that Yitzchak is about to give the bracha to Esav. So once again, the whole future of Klal Yisrael is in jeopardy. So the same tears that caused Yitzchak's life to be spared by the Akedah, now caused him to become blind so that he should be able to give the bracha to Yaakov Avinu. That's a shot I saw, but which is, again, it's, nice. it's, it's, it's more in line, because obviously we're not talking something uh, physical as in tears coming into his eyes. 
But that's also a little uh, problematic. In other words, the problem, because that happened when he was 37. Now we're, the Yitzhak is 123 years old. So why would it take, uh, how many years is that? Almost 80 years to take effect. So Rashi gives a third shot. And the third shot is, the Kidei Sheyave Yaakov Ve'yitel Asabachayra. So Yaakov is another, which by the way, that seems to be the very simple shot, because that, uh, that's uh, the preface to what's going on. Afterwards, the Yaakov should come and become the Becher. And get the brachas. We tell us brachas or I don't remember. Anyways, the Yaakov should come and take the brachas. So, Frakzich the Shaila, think about that for a second. Yitzhak now, as I mentioned earlier, is 123 years old. According to Rashi, it's five years before uh, the age of 127. <clears throat> Yitzhak died when he was 180 years old. That means 57 years he was blind. At least 57 years he was blind. And we know that uh, Chazal tell us that, uh, that, that someone who's blind is Chashuv Kemes. It's considered like he's dead. Why did Hashem have to do that? Couldn't Hashem just tell Yitzhak, Hello? Esav is a Rasha. Give the brachas to Yaakov. And spear Yitzchak 57 years of blindness. Mm-hmm. It's a simple question, right? And think about that for a second. Yitzchak surely had to already have been Cheshed Esav. His wives are, are, are worshipping of Zara. The Pasuk says, the Pasuk says, Vatiyanah He knows his wives aren't, are, are, aren't too good. He's blind from their incense. Well, this is a different, this is a different shot in Rashi. But... Even if he's not blind, the pasuk says, He knows that the wives aren't. Uh, so he thinks maybe that okay, so Esav can't control them. He knows <laughs> that Esav's ain't shame shemaim shogur befiv that he doesn't say Hashem's name. So he, he had to have smelled something. So why couldn't Hashem just give the final bang and say, "Yeah, <laughs> he's not the one. Give it to Yaakov." Elama, what's the answer? The Rebbe says, Hashem didn't want to say lashon hara. Yeah, Esau was a Yid, as they state in the Gemara, Masechtas Kedushan, it's a Yisrael Mumer. And Hashem wouldn't tell, it was not going to tell Yitzchak that Esau was a Rasha. And by the way, there's, the, oh, no, there's another Gemara that talks about Achan. There's a Gemara of Negeta Achan, I'm sure you know, when, 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 when you, know, you know the story of Achan, when he stole from, from Yericha and therefore the Yidin by Ai. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says that Yitzchak, Yeshua tells Hashem, so tell me who it is, and I'm gonna. I'll take care of the guys. I'm so, am I a dealer? Am I someone who says lashon hara? I'm not telling you who it is. Go figure it out yourself. Go make. Go make. Uh, yeah, no, he did it with a lottery. The Eibushter Magid Varav Liyaki Chukav Mishpatav. The Eibushter, the mitzvahs that he tells us, he does the same thing, and the Eibushter refused to say lashon hara to the point that he was willing that it was pre- preferable that Yitzchak should be blind for 57 years, That's and Hashem shouldn't say lashon hara. And talk about in terms of Hira for us, of how careful we have to be, not say Lashon Hara, and realize that uh, it's it's not a Pashta thing. And if Hashem didn't want to say it, and that was the, that was a, a, a suitable alternative, how much more so by us? We have to be careful in the words that we say. And and, and we're ta- and remember this is Lashon Hara about who? About, about Asa. We're not talking about Asa. No, Hashem doesn't say Lashon Hara. Inflict temporary blindness, not fifty-seven years. 
Okay. That's a question not on this beer. It's a question on Rashi. In other words, what you're saying, if if you're going to say, right? So you talk about the clap of the If you remember, we, we said earlier that that's the third shot in Rashi. Why is it the third shot in Rashi? It should be the first shot. In other words, it w- <coughs> someone is looking at the at the Chumash and reading it. It seems obvious that why did he become blind? Read the end of the story because because of Yaakov. So it would seem that that really should be the first shot in Rashi. Yeah. But that's the problem, really, with this shot. At the end of the day, Hashem couldn't find another way. In other words, <laughs> without telling you, without Lashnari, you could, you could have there, yeah, Harbish Luchim. So that's why it's not the third shot. But at the end of the day, it's the, it is a shot in Torah. And Rivka could, so, well, could have told Yitzchak. Why didn't Rivka tell Yitzchak? That's a separate question. The same reason. <laughs> Because we, we saw that we saw in Avram that some uh, Sarah tells Avram that that he's a bad influence. He should leave the house with Agar. So we see that sometimes, you know, someone emerges and speaks up. I, I hear what you're saying, and, and halachically we have to look at different Sarah things. Right. But Shmuel wasn't a yid. Shmuel was an Evet. Different story. Okay.